Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets, talking about a big Lakers win last night. And I normally facetiously say big Lakers win because I think any win the Lakers get right now is big. But last night was truly a big win. The Lakers winning in overtime, coming back to defeat the Miami Heat, 120-117. Easily their best win of the season. Perhaps easily also the best game Russell Westbrook has had since he's been a Laker. Not a perfect game, of course. Still eight turnovers for him, but another triple-double, his third of the season. And Armand... Got to talk about it. I mean, you've you've said that so far this season, to your view, the Miami Heat are the best team for the Lakers to find a way to win this game. And again, both teams were not healthy. That being said, the Lakers did not have LeBron James, Taylor Horton Tucker, Trevor Ariza. Uh, your thoughts on the Lakers finding a way to beat the Heat last night? You know, it it, it was a very impressive win, Iraq. It was a very impressive win. The, the most impressive thing was obviously the Malik Monk factor. The thing is, this is the consistency with Monk is going to be the biggest thing going forward. Can he be this guy night in and night out? Because so far this season, you'll see 22, 2, 21, 5. So it's great that he has this kind of upside, but will it be consistent going forward? Because the thing is, Bazemore is still not really showing up. DeAndre Jordan isn't giving you much. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news this early, but it's just like I want to pump the brakes just a little bit because although it is a great win, great win, it's still very early and there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, which, you know, with Taylor Horton Tucker and the rest of them will probably be answered. I totally thought of you while Malunk, while while Malik Monk was going off for a season high twenty seven points again going ten to thirteen six rebounds three assists one block in thirty five minutes off the bench. You had mentioned this. I mean, this is the kind of performance that this guy has, where he'll he'll have a game like this where you're thinking, wow, twenty seven points, and then I think probably the next game he'll have six or he won't score, and so. I don't expect the guy that they signed for a minimum contract, a guy coming off the bench to have nights like this consistently, but you have seen what he can do. You have seen what he could potentially provide. The reason he was available, the reason that the Lakers got him on the cheap is because of that inconsistency. And consistency is a really important thing. I mean, you want to know what you can expect from a player night in and night out. And so, again, big night for Malik Monk on a night where they needed it. But I don't think he'll have 27 points again this season, right? It's going to be interesting to see because, you know, we talk about the injured Lakers, Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton Tucker. But who are they going to take away from when they come back? Well, they're going to take away from Malik Monk. They're going to take away from Carmelo Anthony. So, yeah, the consistency is... It's going to get harder to be consistent when you have even more mouths to feed. I'm very interested to see how Frank Vogel manages that going forward. For Miami, it was really just 
Tyler Hero versus the whole team, which was very yeah. interesting to see because Hero, you know, he has that same consistency inconsistency factor. But you know, I think he's taken a step up, uh, which was which was pleasant to see. Yeah, no doubt about it. A, a big win for the Lakers. Again, I mean, they, they've, they've struggled during these uh, first 12 games of the season. Again, when you talk about playing down to the competition, and the Lakers, by the way, are really not in, in a position to be playing down to competition because they're not that great, at least in the wins and losses column. But, you know, for them to blow a 26-point lead, lose to the Thunder, blow a 19-point lead, lose again to the Thunder, um, it was nice to see them have a quality win like this. And by the way, I'm sure you noticed this as well. I mean, LeBron James was essentially the coach last night. And normally, an official will tell a player to sit down. But, of course, this is LeBron James. I mean, Frank Vogel was really taking a a backseat to LeBron James. I mean, he was not only coaching up players. I mean, having long conversations with the officials, standing up throughout the game, essentially calling plays. I mean, we can kind of joke about it, but it just seemed – a little odd. It wasn't a great look for Frank Vogel. Um, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but when you talk, and again, I'm not saying that Frank Vogel was on the hot seat or is on the hot seat, but when you have a team with championship aspirations and they're 500 and you have LeBron James essentially playing the role of coach, it does not look that great. It was so funny because the other night, too, he went up and uh, had a mid-game conversation with Kevin Hart. So LeBron is kind of doing his own thing right now. You know, if they win, it's not going to be a story. But you know as soon as they lose a couple games, if he's still doing stuff like that, it's going to be front-page news. So the fact that we know that is why it's concerning because it's like you are kind of undermining Frank Vogel in the way that you're – just stepping up and basically acting as the head coach. With that being said, they're on a two-game win streak. So right now, everything is fine. Friday, Anthony Edwards, who just dropped 48 points, comes into town. That's going to be an interesting showing because if they couldn't really stop Tyler Hero, Anthony Edwards is going to be another kind of test for them on Friday. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I, I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing how – these guys find a way to make it work. I and mean, when you, for example, the Clippers are finding a way to make it work, and they're they're playing the Heat tonight. Um, I was at that game against Portland on a Tuesday. Five game winning streak for the Clippers. They're finding ways to win. Uh, again, no Kawhi. I, I, we probably won't see him until late in the season. And if we do, I mean, there there might be a, a point in time where he or the trainers or the combination of the two say, hey, listen, it's just not worth it. They're going to shut him down. That has not happened yet. But the Clippers are finding a way to make it work. Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Terrence Mann. It's just just a good uh, team right there. And I keep saying that if they keep their head above water, if they are a playoff team, if if they find a way to make it in, I mean, ideally you don't want to have to play in that play-in game. But if – for example, they're that six seven seed and Kawhi comes back. You're getting a healthy and rested Kawhi down the stretch. What have you seen from the Clippers again on this five-game streak that again, you've always thought that they were a playoff team, but I mean they they are they a scrappy group right now. The thing is they're getting contributions from everybody and I, I would love to ask you this question, Arash. Do you trust the Clippers? 
Clippers role players more or the Lakers role players? Well, probably the Clippers. And here's why, because I think that they know what they have to do. I mean, you're coming into a season where Kawhi, listen, for the most part, I think they're coming into the season thinking he's done for the year. If if we get a report that he can come back for the last 10 games or the last five games, I mean, that would be a blessing. But they are really coming into to the season knowing, hey, it's not like we have to hold, hold down the fort until LeBron, THT, Trevor Ariza. I mean, those guys will will come back. With the Clippers, in a really began last season, right, when Kawhi goes down and they all knew that he'd be done for the year. I mean, I, I don't know exactly why the Clippers made it a day-to-day thing. I mean, they knew he was going to be done. Um, the way that that group got together... Reggie Jackson being that consistent number two guy, Paul George becoming once again that number one guy that we saw that finished third and most valuable player voting. They all know what they have to do. And while they're not consistent, when you talk about the role players, of course, I'm going to trust the Clippers guys because this is a role that they're having for the duration of the season. My number one concern and I'm not number one concern, but a concern with the Lakers is what Carmelo's doing right now is not, you cannot expect that. I mean, first of all, the guy, guy is shooting 65% from three at Staples Center. That's just, just not going to happen during the course of the season. So he's playing well. Uh, you're getting contributions, but the consistency is the number one thing. And we've talked about it before and you've touched on it. Malik Monk is just not going to do this. So while he's going to be talked about today and everyone's going to be excited, like, oh, my God, what a steal, what a find. You'll find out in the next two games why you got him for what you got him for. Again, a minimum contract. There's a reason. When you look at the body of work, you don't just look at what his career high is or his season high is. And by the way, uh, the last time he had 26 points or something along those lines, guess who he played? The Heat. So sometimes it's a matchup thing. Sometimes you like playing against a certain team. There's a certain coaching style that works well for you. And so, again, for whatever reason, when he goes up against the Heat, he has a big game. We'll see what he does the, the next game. But in terms of consistency, the Clippers guys, I think, know their roles. Day in and day out, they know what they have to do. They're really hyping up Nick Batum over there too. He has oh, been yeah. tremendous for them this season. It's like he's having a renaissance season and they're not even getting consistency from guys that I expect to be consistent going forward like Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann, I believe, had three or five points the other night. He's going to give you 10 to 12 consistently and he's kind of been underperforming on some nights. Luke Kennard's been kind of underperforming. I expect those guys to turn it around, which is only going to help the team. And then you get Serge Ibaka, who's coming back, but they're giving him limited minutes. They're going to be very, very difficult. But the thing about the Clippers is they're not going to blow away teams on pretty much any night. They're going to have to scrap their ways to wins. Even when they win games, it's going to be, even against the worst teams, probably a close game that they're going to need Paul George to come through in the clutch if they want to persevere. No doubt. I'm going to uh, loop in Jihei here because I have an update to tell her. I am in San Diego right now. Before I left for San Diego yesterday, we talked about this event. It was the Movement Live. It was at Petco Park. They basically transformed Petco Park into a cycling house, into a cycling studio. So they took over the field. 
and there was a bunch of uh, cycles there, and it was an amazing event. Again, it uh, was presented by the Adaptive Training Foundation and sponsored by Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra, good beer, by the way. They have seltzers, so I tried a little bit of both. Um, the class was led by D Damar Jackson. Music by Zed. So you're essentially at a Zed show, a Zed concert, which I have... Uh, I have seen him once in Las Vegas. I forgot what club he's at. Happy Hour presented by Kim Lee. That was fun. They had tacos and, and beer and whatnot. But it was um, an interesting experience. As I mentioned to Jihei yesterday, and Armand, I will tell you, me and cycling don't go well. When you have a big rear end, it does not really work out well. So I did all I could. The, it, the, the, the full session was 60 minutes. I did not last the full 60 minutes. Um, I was the first one to go to the um, happy hour. So right behind the uh, cycling, they had the happy hour. They had the tacos. They had the uh, chips and guac. They had the uh, beer. They had the seltzer. So I was the first one to grab a Michelob Ultra and uh, just kind of say, hey, listen, I did my part. But it was a fun event. I posted a clip of it just because I had never seen a baseball field covered with cycles. By the way, I'm sure you both have, have done cycle house or cycling. Those shoes are very interesting. I'm, I'm not really comfortable putting on those shoes and cl clipping them on so you're attached to the cycle. I, I was not comfortable with that. But, um, yeah, I mean, wait, because uh, uh, I know you guys both work out, you do yoga. Is cycling part of your work out there? I, I mean, I guess I could answer this. No, <laughs> cycling <laughs> is definitely not part of my uh, repertoire. Uh, yoga is definitely a, a huge part of it. Um, and going to play ball if I, if I ever can. Um, I know that, like, I know, Armani, you, you're a huge ball player and um i don't i know like yoga is part of yours as well to you cycle and another question for you arash which michelob ultra seltzer did you try first for your flavor man i forgot the flavor because i tried the original just like the beer and then like the seltzer um was like a like a strawberry watermelon or something or other. I, I just wanted to try a little bit of everything. The tacos were very good. They, they had that taco stand deal where it was like the tacos were freshly made. So, you know, as you guys well know, any kind of tacos or burrito from San Diego hits the spot. Really quick, going back to the cycling thing, <laughs> Soul Cycle. I went there twice. The people that go there are some of the most, I mean this in the most respectful way possible, insane people I've ever met because they go 60 minutes on that bike like it's like do or die. <laughs> I left that class questioning everything about my life, how hard I work. It was ridiculous. Those people, I have so much respect for, for but no, I do not, I, I do not do it. It's, it's too intense. It's so. So, Arba, to your point, it was funny. So you combine that intensity with now they're on the field at Petco Park. So you're at a baseball stadium. So you got the juices flowing. And then Zed's doing a, a, a concert in front of you. So he's on the main stage. You got the lights going off. You got the smoke system and what. I mean, you're basically at a club. So that intensity was like tenfold it was nuts and then once it was done they had a um a um a um a um happy hour right so they the juices were still flowing so they were playing music and these people are losing their minds it was the greatest people watching of all time so because i mean i didn't 
do it in long enough to have like my juices flowing. Like I wasn't on that high. So I'm there enjoying my Michelob Ultra and a taco. Just, just people watching, just looking at these people losing their minds there. It was fantastic. So Arash, did you do the entire hour? No, 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 no. I don't even think I made it through half of it. I think <laughs> I made it through a quarter of it or something like that. I, it's just not my cup of tea. I also don't like to be attached to the equipment that I am working out on. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I'm sure that that's there for safety or, or whatnot. But to be clipped onto it um, was something that I wasn't um, comfortable with. And I, yeah, it just wasn't my cup of tea. I did, uh, I, they, they, I do have shoes now, so maybe I'll, I'll have to try it again. But the, the thing that I want to do that you guys do is yoga. That That's something that I really have not done yet. And you guys have both uh, talked about how great it is and helpful it is. So, I mean, I think that's more higher on my list of things t- to do. Was the music more uh, like inspiring or was no. it more distracting? Well, I mean, it was just I thought it got me pumped up if that was something that I wanted to do for 60 minutes. Cause it was like, again, it was literally like you were at a Vegas club. It was just like, you know, just imagine that, that kind of like hardcore, you know, the dance music. So, you know, I, I think, I think people had a good time again. When, I mean, Zed's a big deal, right? I mean, in that world, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that DJ world, but I, I, I always see his pictures around Vegas. I think he's at, the MGM Grand or something, but again, he's one of the headline guys. So just to see him there, that was a lot of fun, and it was. So, I just love when people have a good time. So to see the looks on the people's faces afterwards and while they're doing it, I mean, again, like losing their minds at, I don't know, the fact that they're on the field of Petco Park, the fact that they're at a Zed concert, the fact. Oh, the other cool thing that they had was so around the country, or sorry, around the world. They had different people joining virtually. So there was like a cycling class in Mexico and Brazil. And and so that that was fun too. But a good time. I love San Diego. Again, it's like, you know, about like a two-hour drive down here. I oftentimes take the train, but this time I drove. And so I'll be back. I'll be back after we're done doing the show today. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Zed is supposed to be, Zed and Tiesto are supposed to now have a new residency at Resorts World. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, so they will be um, cashing in 250 grand a set performed to, yeah, these guys make millions, Arash. These guys make so much money, it's insane to uh, do these sets um, at these different uh, resorts. So that doesn't really shock me. I'm actually in shock that it's not like more than that, to be honest with you. Considering I knew how much they paid prior to this. Yeah. So when like the EDM world was originally like, you know, crazy and over the top and not in everything, uh, they definitely were making like 500 to like 750 a set. So these guys make really like they make real money. Well, and then I'm sure, you know, he made more for what he did or, or the same. I mean, I mean, I mean, the fact that he made about whatever it was, $250,000 for the, that set. That was, that's, he had a lot of fun, by the way, again, because I think, you know, when you perform at clubs and shows, that's, that, 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 that's one thing. But to uh, perform in front of, and I don't know how many cyclists were there, that's a different feeling. So I don't know how, if, if he's ever performed at a at Petco Park before, probably not. He said he had never performed at an event like this. So that was a lot of fun. Um 
I am motivated now to to to, to do something different, you know, because I've I've been doing a lot of uh, you know treadmill and elliptical, but to kind of switch it up, maybe do a do a little bit of s- s- cycling, soul cycle, um, yoga, things like that. Okay, so, Arash, I got last question though. I gotta ask. Yeah. Did you buy some butt pads? I didn't. I didn't. Uh. You know, so I, I think that's the reason that I did not last that long. But, you know, if I'm not going to be committed to cycling more than a couple times, like I'm not going to invest in padding for the big rear end that is making it so hard for me to stay on that cycle. So and then that was the other thing. I felt trapped on it, right? Like you, you have to hook it on and then you have to hook it off. And I don't know how to do all that stuff. I'm, I'm still learning. Um but anyways, let's leave it there for now. Enough talk about my big rear end. Let's, uh, we will be joined when, when we come back from our good friend, Nick Hamilton. Nick Hamilton has been all over the place. Uh, a lot to get into in terms of Los Angeles sports. Talking about the Rams, big Monday night football game. Talking about the Lakers. Talking about the Clippers. Talking about the USC Cal game on Saturday getting postponed. So we'll talk about all that and more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 and 98.5 The Fan. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio, the all-new and Mightier 1090 AM. listening to the Arash Markazi show on a new generation of radio the all new and mightier 1090 a.m. when we come around Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We are now joined as we are every Thursday by Nick Hamilton. Nick, you are everywhere, so thanks so much for you know coming on. I saw you on Spectrum, I seen you on 570, I seen you on Channel 4. Listen, we really appreciate you taking time out to do this. A lot of to, lot to get into. Let's first get into what happened last night. We really talked about it heavily in the first segment. The Lakers getting their best victory of the season against the Heat. Again, both of these teams are hurt. But I thought it was a very good quality win, a comeback win. And Russell Westbrook, despite the fact he had a turnovers, I did think played his best game so far with the Lakers. Your thoughts on the game last night? First and foremost, thanks for having me once again, man. I made sure my key card continues to work here. Uh, but when you look at when you talk about the Lakers and what they've been able to go through, obviously the injuries, we talk about the turnovers with Russell Westbrook, but I thought it was a decent win. I don't think it was that great of a win. You took the Miami Heat uh, to overtime, three-point win. Uh, Tyler Hero, I believe, missed the three-point basket to tie it up to send it to a second overtime. Uh, so, listen, the, the Lakers escaped with the win. Um, I don't think it was that quality of a win because when you think about quality wins, especially with the team and how this team has been assembled, you're looking for at least a 10 to 12 point victory when you're going against the teams that you're supposed to beat uh, versus the teams that you have been struggling with. So I have yet to see a quality win with the Lakers, but I think this was a good win for them to try to get some motivation and some momentum as they continue to move forward, uh, especially after the struggles that they've had in blowing 26 point leads in times past this season. Like you said, Russell Westbrook with the turnovers, that's, that's going to continue. I don't understand why why the myopic Laker fans don't understand that that's, like, that's going to miraculously change. It's not. 
it is Russell Westbrook. A leopard doesn't change his spots, and that is Russell Westbrook to the fullest. He's a turnover machine, but he's also a triple-double machine, and he's the energizer bunny. So you got to take the bitter with the sweet uh, when it comes to Russell Westbrook. But I think they're trying to figure things out. Uh, obviously, LeBron is going to be out for a longer significant amount of time, so that's going to de- derail uh, what, the, what we could potentially see this team coming to. Uh, looking at Trevor Ariza, looking at Kendrick Nunn, uh, guys like that. So it's going to be an interesting next stretch of games for this Lakers team as it pertains to seeing how how cohesive they could be without their 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 guys that they need in the battlefield. By the way, guys, I did not take a victory lap because the line on the game last night was four and a half points. And I said, I don't know who's going to win. I think well, the Lakers have a chance to win. This game is going to be close. And like Garmon, we've we've talked about it. The Lakers are not a good team. And I don't know if if exciting is the right word. I got a lot of blowback on that where I called them the most exciting team. The game is always going to come down to the last possession with this team. It doesn't matter if they're up by 26 points, 19 points, 14 points. It doesn't matter. This game is going to come down to the wire. So when they were the dogs by four and a half, according to Vegas, I said, I'll take that because it's going to come down to the end. They actually won. But, um, yeah, and so now uh, let's let's now go to the Clippers because I went to the game on Tuesday against Portland, and this is a gritty group that have, that they find a way to win. And, and what we keep saying about them is that if they can be a playoff team, a, a playoff contention team, and we get word that maybe the last 10 games of the season, the last five games of the season, Kawhi is, is at a point where he can come back. I guess two parts, you know, your, your thoughts on the way the Clippers are playing right now. And are they a team that, listen, if they get cold Kawhi back just right before the playoffs, I mean, could this be a team that shocks the world? Well, you know what? That is such an apropos statement, gritty, because I think that's exactly what this team identity is going to end up being. It's just gritty. We're going to not, we're going to fight you for the first 12 rounds. We're going to go to the decision, as they say. And I think that's exactly what this Clippers team is going to do. I mean, you had six guys in double figures against the Trailblazers on Tuesday. Um, that was a cohesive effort. We've been talking on this show before about, hey, who else is going to step up not named Paul George? And yeah. you have guys now starting to, to step up. You got guys getting healthy again. You got guys finding their rhythm. You look at Reggie Jackson. You look at Eric Bledsoe. Finally, we see Eric Bledsoe signing. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I've been waiting for that for Lord knows how long. Um, you you know, but you look at, you know, Nick Batum, you look at guys that understand this system and guys that are familiar with this system. And so this is a, this is the team that I like, even though Paul George didn't have the greatest shooting night on Tuesday, even though he finished with 24 points, the guys still rallied around and stepped up and came in and came in in the clutch. And let me tell you something, uh, Trailblazers are nothing to sneeze at. I mean, they're going to yeah. be, they're going to, they're going to fight you also just as hard, but I think this Clippers team is going under the radar, and I think that's the way they like it. I think they like going under the radar. Everybody's focusing on the Lakers and what's going on with with, with Apple turnover, better known as Russell Westbrook. And you focus more on that than you look at the team across the hall that's actually giving you some great basketball and some really some some newsworthy basketball to talk about. And when I look at the, the you know the, the upcoming schedule, when you look at uh tonight when they face the Heat, the same Heat team that, that went to overtime against the Lakers, I think the Clippers have a slight advantage because, you know, you got you have fresher legs. You got guys that, that battled into the overtime period. And so I look at the Clippers as far as coming out. I think Paul George will have a much better shooting night tonight. Um, I'll be at the game. So 
I'll be seeing that up close and personal, making sure. Hey, come on, Paul, let's get it, baby, let's get it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Nick, I I have the, this is sort of a football question, but not really so much of of, of a football question. So we got reports this morning that uh, Cam Newton has agreed to a deal to return to the Car- Car- Carolina Panthers. So again, going back to the team that he led to a Super Bowl, there's no reason that someone like Cam Newton should not have been on a team, but. You know, when you talk to people who were around that team and who were around the Panthers and who were around the uh, Patriots, he wasn't signed because of who he was, right? He wasn't signed because of his personality and the star power that he has. And and it's like, I, I really push back on that because, again, he is a superstar player. And because he is not the starting quarterback, he's essentially not being allowed to have a job. And again, the Colin Kaepernick thing is sort of a separate problem, but Kaepernick should have for the past few years been a quarterback because of, because of who he is though. He does not, I guess two part. I mean, a, your, your thoughts on cam returning, but this idea that listen, we can't sign this guy who is probably one of the top, like if you, if you were to rank the top 30 quarterbacks, he's there. But we're not going to sign him because, you know, listen, he's too much of a superstar. He'll take the spotlight away and things like that. I mean, I just push back on that. I think it's ridiculous that someone cannot live out their 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 life, their job, and do what they've done their entire life because of, what, their celebrity? It's just crazy to me. Well, first and foremost, about the Carolina, you know, re signing Cam Newton or signing Cam Newton, I should say. My, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> the same the same team that won that, that couldn't wait to get rid of Cam Newton now is damn near begging Cam Newton to come back, which I like the fact. I like Cam Newton being able to finish his career where he started. There's a lot of history with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, he took them to a Super Bowl, unfortunately, came up a little bit short uh, against a better Denver Broncos team. But he's still nonetheless Cam Newton. He was the same guy that set r- rookie records that still have not been broken. Um, this is a guy that has, you know, as a kid said, he got the drip. You know, he, he's walking around with the drip. And so I love I love Cam's personality. I think it's refreshing. I think it's different. It's authentically him. And that's something that we always we, we complain about it in, in the fan bases, how athletes are not authentic. Athletes are not keeping it real. But this is a guy that's authentic and keeping it real to himself and about himself. And so he's vilified and he's criticized. I understand about the whole vaccination situation. And now that's already been taken care of. So we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, so let this man play out the rest of his years comfortably. You know, let him let him be let him play out his senior living years in, in, <laughs> in comfort. You know what I mean? And yeah. so as you talk about Kaepernick, um, it, it, it comes down. And I say this all the time. Culturally clueless people who are in charge who don't understand uh, uh, the black, the plight of the black man and the plight of the black quarterback, because you can have Baker Mayfield come out here and do all kind of erroneous stuff all kind of antics and nobody says anything. They just say, oh, he's enthusiastic. You have Tom Brady cussing out his teammates and he said, oh, he's passionate. Oh, he's 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 really he's really locked into the game. But if Cam Newton or Colin Kaepernick or any other Lamar Jackson or any other black quarterback out there, Dak Prescott, for that matter, if they go out and do the sim- something similar to that, oh, my God, it's crimes against humanity. What are they what are they doing? Because you want to fit these brothers into a box. You can't fit us into a box. We got too much soil, too much flavor to be to be fit into a box. All flavor, no grease, as as my partners who own that company say. And that's what it is. It's all flavor, no grease. The thing about it is. When you look at the, the the plight of the quarterback, remember we can go all the way back to scrap. You know, 
Randall Cunningham, we can go back to Warren Moon and how they still don't fully respect the black quarterback even to in 2021. Yeah, they've they've accepted the black quarterback, but it's it's one thing to be respected, it's one thing to be tolerated. And I, and I think it's more of a toleration thing because of the economics, because of the t- the climate that we are currently in, and it provides economic value to have a quarterback of that stature. When you look at the Pat Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons and the Dak Prescotts and, and Russell Wilson's of the world. So I think when you have you know, it's it's tough to 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 get a quarterback to understand to let a quarterback just be him. That's not uh, from the Caucasian persuasion, as we like to say. <laughs> and so, you know, when you look at, like I said, Baker Mayfield, you look at, you know, uh, uh, Josh Allen, you look at guys like that who are great, who are, who are, who you know Josh Allen, I think is a great quarterback. But if he does, he gets away with stuff that other quarterbacks that don't look like him get away with. Same thing with Tom Brady. Same thing with Matt Ryan or anyone else for that stature. So you have to look at it from that particular standpoint. You have to understand that, yes, it is a racial component. Yes, it's a cultural component. And it has to be some type of understanding until they choose to understand and allow guys to simply be them and just make sure that what they do on the field is comparable and productive to making sure that those franchises win and continue to head into the, you know, have an opportunity to play into the Super Bowl and to co- and compete for a championship. Then it's always going to be something like that that's going to continue to cloud uh, the, 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 the greatness that goes on on the field. Nick, what the heck happened to the Rams on Sunday? I was in, uh, I was so excited for that game because it, it, it was sort of, you know, I mean, A, I expected Vaughn to make his debut. No worries. Just, you know, be 100% healthy. Hopefully he makes his de- debut on Monday night against San Francisco. But, but Nick, I mean, I mean, first of all, the, the, the two picks Matthew Stafford had was just, I, I could not believe what I was saying. I mean, people made the joke about Jared Goff. I don't know if I've seen even Goff make a play as poorly as the one that uh, Stafford did back heel, you know, uh, pass. And it was just, I mean, don't hand Tennessee 14 points. You had some great questions to Sean McVay post game. What, your thoughts on what happened, and was that just like, by the way, weird Sunday, nine of the 12, like, underdogs winning. So it was just a weird, weird Sunday. But, uh, Nick, your your thoughts on what happened there? You know, ironically, two of the best teams in the NFC, the Cowboys and the Rams, yeah. both scored the same amount of points. And that's, <laughs> that's right. That, that's a little, you know, ironic and freaky in itself. Yeah. But when I look at this Rams team, I mean, hell, they could have used Ty Dolla Sign and Blast, who came to do the <laughs> halftime show. And he could have used some type of help. I don't know if they would have helped either. Uh, but this was the worst performance that we've seen out of Matthew Stafford thus far this season. I don't think we'll see a repeat of that. I think Matthew Stafford is too much of a veteran. He understands what happened. I, I personally thought it may have been have something to do with his back because he had been battling some back issues that week. And then when he got popped in the first quarter, he didn't seem like he was the same agile Matthew Stafford that we had been accustomed to seeing. And I also, too, I look at that O-line, something that I talked about also is the fact that that O-line got pushed around for about three, three and a half yeah. quarters, same way we saw against the Arizona Cardinals a few weeks prior. So I think that's something they're going to have to address. But the one saving grace, I think, and a lot of guys believe in this, is the fact they're able to have that 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 snap back, that bounce back. Uh, we saw that against the Arizona Cardinals. They went up to a tough place to play in Seattle against the yeah. Seahawks and got a win. And I think we can see, we may see the same thing on Monday night at Levi Stadium where, you know, this is a must win for the Rams, not just physically. A lot of guys, I even asked like Sony Michelle, I talked to Andrew Whitworth uh, and even Darius Williams, you know, hey, how does it, is this more of a mental victory if you guys get it 
versus just the physical victory because of what they've been asking you guys for the last two seasons. I mean, they pretty much own you guys for the last two seasons. So how do you snap that and get the monkey off your back, not just physically, but from a mental standpoint to say, hey, we can beat these guys now because say what you want. Guys are human. They feel the same. They see the same things that we see. They may not speak on it, but they know they have to get this win. And they may be just a relief where they can be able to exhale uh, going into the bye week and say, hey, we got a win over, over a rival, over a division opponent, somebody we haven't beaten in, in a couple of seasons that pretty much beat the brakes off of us and took our lunch money. So now we can we can de- we know we can we can be Craig in this Debo type of situation and get our revenge. <laughs> I have a so I have a question for uh, you, Nick, and for um, everyone on right now. So listen, USC's game against Cal on on Saturday was postponed. I originally thought, well, this thing has to get canceled because why the heck would USC want to go up to Cal? December 5th and play to them again, just get the forfeit win. I I think if they wanted to, they could have gone to the forfeit win. Maybe I'm not such so much of a competitor. I'm taking the W and I'm moving on with my life. Uh, Nick, let's, let's start with you because I do believe USC, if they petitioned or, or push for it could have said, listen, it's not our fault. COVID got Cal and they can't play the game. We got the win. Would you have accepted a forfeit win, or do you like the fact that they postponed the game and, again, they will be playing this game on December 5th? You know what? The way USC season is going, you take every win you can get, man. Exactly. If you got to play jacks, you got to play dominoes, you got to shoot dice. Whatever it is you got to do to get that extra win, that's what you do. And I I don't understand it personally. Maybe it's a certain type of protocol they have to go through or they have to give the, the other team the opportunity to say, hey, let's try to set this thing up. Um, and then if we can't, absolutely cannot play this game on December 4th or December 5th, whenever it goes down, um, then we have to go ahead and take the W and we'll put that in the record books. But I think it's just more, it sounds like to me, it's more like protocol. I see. So so Armand, if you could accept a forfeit win or reschedule the game, because again, Cal wanted to reschedule the game. They obliged. Uh, What would you have done? I think undoubtedly you take the forfeit win, especially in a sport like football. I mean, you're risking injury every time you put the pads on. I, you know what? I didn't even hear about this until this morning. And the fact that USC, I don't know if it's, it's, it's by choice, if they can accept the forfeit win or if it's the committee decides, but of course, yeah, give me the forfeit win every day for sure. I mean, as a, as a competitor, I would love to compete against them, but Again, like Nick said, and like Arash said, you take the W because your season is done. So you take as many wins as you possibly can. Do what you got to do. Um, petition for what you got to petition for. Take the win, you know, because they, they may not come that often um, in the next, at least in this season and definitely maybe even next season. Um, so, yeah, you take the W. Nick, it's so funny. I get these uh correspondence all the time like hey tickets are running out for the usc ucla game get them while they're hot and i'm like what are you talking about yeah i I don't know how many like empty seats will be at the coliseum i think it'll be the worst attended usc ucla game of of maybe of all time because no matter how bad those two teams are that's the number one game but again like every Day, I think I get something from USC or the car spot or the parking spot or whatever. Say, hey, 50% off, get them while they're hot. Nick, will you be at the UCLA USC game? So, again, not this Saturday, a week from Saturday. 
Uh, Nick, you are muted, my friend. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll definitely be there. I mean, I think it's going to be more UCLA fans in attendance oh, than man. it will be USC fans. I think it's just because of the, the the little bit better performance out of UCLA as far as the win column goes. Yeah. Um, I think there'll just be a that's just an extra, you know, maybe an extra home game for the UCLA Bruins yeah. uh, as far as their fan base is concerned. But Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I had UCLA beating USC just like I had BYU beating USC. Yeah. Uh, because I think USC just finishes on a losing note. I mean, you lost Drake London. Um, fortunately, he'll be back in time for the combine, and he'll be still be a mid-first round pick. Um, but when you look at the overall structure of USC, I think it's going to be a lot of difference. A lot of differences happening. I think it's going to be uh, a, a, a revamp team at the end of this season. Um, they, they they hope to God they get a big name because if they don't, it's going to be a repeat of what we're seeing or close to of what we're seeing this season for next year. Oh, exactly. Uh, last question for you, Nick. Um, Hodel Beckham Jr., I, I thought the Rams would throw their hat in the mix only because a few of the players came out publicly and said, hey, we'd love to have you. And I think per the, the perhaps friends off the field and that's why they um they don't need him and i don't know whether it would not be a good fit but your thought i mean again they they love the superstars here with the rams they love superstars in los angeles they did try to trade for him a few years ago are you surprised and perhaps this could change but currently speaking they are not in the mix here oh well it's the rams not in the mix that we know of exactly with the rams i mean yeah yeah. You never know. But I think another L.A. team that would be valuable that, that can use his services are the L.A. Chargers. I think yeah. when they, they tried to ask Justin Herbert, but he politicked his way through the answer, which I really wish he would have came and said, look, yeah, we want OBJ. Yeah. I love our I love our wide receiver core, but I love we want OBJ. And who's to say he didn't march into the front office and, and demand, you know, they get OBJ. He's, he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I can see him going to the Saints. I can see him going to the Packers. I don't necessarily see him going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and you know, we'll see what happens with OBJ, but brother Odell is definitely in high demand. Exactly. Uh, let, the, let, let the football church say amen. Exactly. And we love, we love superstars here in Los Angeles. So I would certainly welcome him to the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, Nick, thank you so much. As always, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. So it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.